Before we jump in, I got a question, very, very, very important question I need to ask you. So I need everybody's ears. We ready? What do you put on your hot dog? Ketchup, mustard, everybody shout it out. I'm going to count to three and everybody shout out what they put on their hot dog. One, two, three. All right, I heard a lot of mustards out there. I don't get mustard. Now, if you watched our, our Facebook video on Friday, you heard that question asked, and a lot of you got involved in that discussion. It was a great discussion. And I also asked you what I eat on my hot dogs. Anybody know? Not family. You can't answer that question. Mayonnaise. That is the only way to eat a hot dog. Now, let me, that's kind of, it's kind of a silly discussion to have. But I know some of you are shaking your head. But just that one little decision that we make, to what do we put on a hot dog, could cause fights, can it not? Can it not cause fights in a house? Especially if you bring out the wrong toppings or you put too many things on it. You know, we've been to Chicago and we've seen the argument over, you know, the right and the wrong way to eat a hot dog and they take it seriously there. But we have those, those choices that we make turn into rivalries in our life. And if you hear that word rivalry, it has a negative connotation in a lot of ways, does it not? So let me ask you this question. Who is your rival? Do you have a rival in your life? Who is your rival? Now, for me, if you saw on the video, I, I was raised as a true Arkansan to dislike uh, the whole state of Texas. Anything contained within the borders. It was just part of it. Now that's kind of faded over time and we've transitioned conferences and thankfully we don't play them as much anymore. But rivalries are key and we learn, we grow to even hate people that are different than us, do we not? Live different lifestyles, make different choices, they become rivals, and hatred develops, and then division is caused. Now, this morning, I want to focus on that thought of rivalry as we read this scripture passage. And I want us to ask ourselves in our hearts, what kind of dividing wall do we have in our life? And I'm going to step out on a limb here, and I'm very confident that this limb will hold my body weight. But I believe that there are some issues within our group this morning. I think there are some rivalries. And I think there are some, some underlying issues in your heart that's keeping you from having communion with God because you have an issue with somebody else. I'm pretty confident in that fact. We all have struggles in life, don't we? And we all have people we'd really like to stick it to. I'm going to share with you this morning, that's going to cause you to break relationship with so many people and even God. So let's look at the Word of God and draw some application from what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. You guys read chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. I want to focus in on the heart of that passage. And just like last week, there was a huge transition point. There's also another one today. Look at verse 13 in chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near... By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And Father, the opportunity we have to come and read and Father, seek application into our lives. So Father, today as we talk about this idea of hostile rivals and hatred, Father, speak to our hearts. Fill us with your spirit and give us your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's look at this. Verses 13 through 16. Incredible passage. And in our series, we're talking about this new life that we have in Christ. In this Sunday morning, we have one more week in this understanding the fact that we are washed. And we are made new in Christ because of the blood that was shed for us on the cross. And remember, week one, I asked you to write down those things that keep you from entering the presence of God. Those barriers that separate you from Jesus, those issues, those struggles in your life, those reasons you have that you are not worthy enough to stand before God. And I asked you to write those on a sheet of paper. And at the end of the service, I asked you to flip it around based on Ephesians chapter 1. Who are you in Christ? And that's what we have on the walls this morning. On the walls, we have reasons. The reasons that we are made new in Christ. What Christ has given us through his Death on the cross through the blood that was shed. And in Christ we are made new. So understanding the fact that we are washed and we are made new. What are the implications for that with other people in our relationships? And that's what we're discovering in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we jump right into an issue that the Ephesians were dealing with. The church at Ephesus were struggling in an area. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. Notice the wording here, okay? Notice... The ends, we got a lot of ends in, in verse 13. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. That reminds me of a lot of stories in Scripture. The parable of the lost coin, right? The parable of the lost son, the parable of the lost sheep. But Paul's saying in verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, because you are in Christ Jesus, you are once far off, you are once away from God, you are once cast out from His presence because of sin. You have been brought near. Why have we brought near? How are we brought near? By the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. Some of you might question or ask, is there anything that could separate me from God? And the truth of the matter is, no, absolutely nothing. That the blood of Jesus cannot cover and draw you back to Him. Yes, it doesn't matter how far you run from Jesus, Jesus can draw you back. Listening to His Spirit and submitting to His will, the blood of Jesus can cover any sin. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. For He Himself is our peace. What's the only way to achieve peace in this world? According to this verse is what? Jesus is the only way. 
It's the only way that Arkansans and Texans can get along. Jesus. The only way Alabama fans and Auburn fans can get along is Jesus. The only way Americans and... Do we want to go there? Can get along is Jesus. The only way Republicans and Democrats can get along is Jesus. In Jesus, he has brought us near. Notice the wording here. We go in verse 13. He's talking about you. And then he transitions for, he, for himself. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one. We go from you to our. We go from two to one. And he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Do you ever have a, uh, <laughs> a wall of hostility build up in your life with anybody? No one? Man, y'all are awesome people to get to know. Y'all never fight? Okay, let's, let's, this has never happened to me. Wink, wink, okay? Have you, like, ever gone to bed at night and realized you've got an issue with somebody? Husbands, wives, you ever felt that, that, that void in the middle of the bed? No? Okay. That would not me neither, huh? You have never had a dividing wall between you and somebody else. Somebody said anything to you, done something to you, and you just can't talk to them. You can't be in their presence. You can't walk in the same room with them without saying anything. You're like, just got to walk away. Can't say nothing nice, don't say anything, right? Look here. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances. So there we get an aside here, okay? Here in verse 15, we've got this, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances. We kind of go back to the Old Testament for a minute. We understand the difference between Old Testament law and New Testament law, right? Can we live up to the laws in the Old Testament, all 613? No, absolutely not. That's why Jesus had to come, right? And so we live under a new law. So we don't have to live under the old law, but we live under a new law now. So we're going to set that aside, abolishing the law and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. I want to make sure we get the point before we draw application, okay? So we've got an issue here. A is fighting with B, and they can't get along. And there's a wall of division between the two. Now that wall has developed, and that wall has grown. You can't get along. You're going to fight, okay? You just can't be in the presence of each other. We've never experienced that. We've established that. But then Jesus does what? Through his blood on the cross, he does what to that wall? He breaks the wall down. And instead of having two, we have what? The goal is peace and uniting the two into one. Thereby killing the hostility. 
The goal of Jesus' death on the cross is to reconcile us as sinners back to Him and bring us into right relationship with Him. But not only that, the goal of Jesus' death on the cross is to reconcile us to one another so therefore we can enter right relationship with one another. What does this have to do with me? I'm so glad you asked that question. The reality of it is, if you're sitting in a blue chair this morning, everybody look, all right. If you're colorblind, the chair that you're sitting in is blue. We're all on the same page. If you're breathing, if you're in this room, you are or have been at odds with somebody in this world. Agree? We've all had issues with other people. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to say it or not, everybody's been at odds with somebody. Now, what we do is we allow the issue that divides us to drive a wedge in relationships. Husband, when you have an issue with your wife, you let that issue fester and grow and develop into something huge, a dividing wall of hostility. When in reality, what we need to understand as believers is that issue at heart with every relationship is what? It's sin. That's all it is. It's sin. Sin works into our lives and drives us away from each other. Not just away from God, but away from each other. We are at odds with one another because of sin. It has divided us and it has separated us from one another and from God. Now, the truth found here in this passage is that Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again to take care of that sin. Would we agree with that? We're all in agreement with that. We all believe that, right? Some form or fashion, we believe that Jesus took care of the sin issue through his death on the cross. So because Jesus took care of the sin issue, we don't have a reason to be at odds with one another. Okay, let me say that again. If Jesus took care of the sin issue in our lives, there is no reason for us to be at odds with one another as Christians. Okay. So because of the fights that y'all are having right now in your life, your issues that you have with somebody else, whether it be in this room or in the community, it shouldn't matter because Jesus died for that sin. So you harboring hostility with somebody else needs to stop because Jesus paid the price for that. Jesus covered it with his blood. So what are you doing by hanging on to it? You're saying Jesus' death is not good enough. That's what you're saying. Now, I don't want to step on any toes this morning, but stick them out real far and I'll step. The issues that we have with one another, we need to let go because Jesus died for that sin. And he covered it and he took care of it. To reconcile us to him and to one another. So us harboring issues, hatred, because of that, we've got to let it go. Because Jesus let it go. Do you want Jesus to hold on to your sin? Patty's shaking her head no. We do not. We don't want Jesus to hold on to our sin, do we? That thing you did last night? Yeah, I'm talking to you. That thing you did last night? Do you want Jesus to hold on to that and hang it over your head? Absolutely not. We want him to let it go. So why can't we let things go with one another? It doesn't make any sense. 
Now, Preston, I'm going to stop and let you handle the rest of this tonight, okay? <laughs> Through Jesus, we gain peace with God and with each other. Bottom line. Through his death, he brought peace. We see in this passage, just through these three verses, he brought peace, he made us one, and he gained us access to God. Very simply, right here in this passage. He brought peace, he made us one, and he gained us access to God. You see, what we're, what we're missing by just having a quick read of this text, if you don't really dig to understand what's taking place here, you got to understand something. Back then, there was this place of worship called a, a temple, right? And the issue that Paul's talking about here is a struggle between Jews and Gentiles. If you study scripture, you find this out. There's an issue. There's a difference between a Jew and a Gentile. A Jew and a not Jew, okay? So you're either a Jew or you're not a Jew, okay? It's like I'm either a man or I am a woman. There's not either or, or both. I feel like I need this. This doesn't have anything to do with the message, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> you are one or the other. Children, you are one or the other. You cannot be both. God gave you a body, and he created you for a purpose. Either man or woman, boy or girl, you don't have a choice later. Be who God created you to be, okay? Because he loves you, and he created you for a good purpose. All right, we'll go on. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. Now, there's a dividing wall of hostility because Jews and Gentiles hated each other. So much, so much, that in the temple, there was an area that Gentiles could not go. There was a wall, because Gentiles were unclean, dirty people. And if they went into the presence of the Jews in the temple, they would die. Jewish historians even tell us there are signs on the wall outside the door saying, Jew, if you walk through that door, you are going to die. There's a dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews. So they could not enter the room. They were excluded from the presence. There's a dividing wall of hostility between the two. The Jews were inside the room. The Gentiles were outside. They had no access to the Father. They could not get to God. There was no way they can be reconciled to God because they were excluded from his presence. The dividing wall of hostility was real between Jews and Gentiles. And in this passage, in this passage, we are shown that Jesus Christ came. Jesus came to break down the walls. He tore down the walls so anyone could enter the room. Anyone could have access to God. Anyone could have access to the Father because Jesus broke down every wall of hostility. And Paul is sharing here that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done in your life, you have an opportunity 
to have a right relationship with God. You are not excluded based upon where you were born or what you've done. None of that matters. What matters is Jesus died for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus loves you. And there is absolutely no barrier or wall that could separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from Jesus. So these issues that we have with each other, they're silly. And we need to get over it. Christian, we got to grow up. Because Jesus died for it, he took care of it, he covered it, and he loves us. And he reconciled us to him. So you know what? Not only are we have a right relationship because of the blood of Jesus, that should make these relationships right because of the blood of Jesus. We have an opportunity to live life together because of Jesus and what he's done for us. Incredible opportunity we have that we waste because of silly things in our life. Silly things. We've got to let the wall go. We've got to break down those barriers. Understanding the fact that Jesus has united us all. He's made peace between us and God. He's made us one between believers. And he's given us access to the Father through his blood. Guys, one of these days you're going to figure out that we're together, we're members of one kingdom. And the reality of it is, that person that you have an issue with, how do you, what are you going to do with them when you spend eternity with them? Huh? I heard an illustration this week, and I couldn't tell you who said it, so I'm stealing it, all right? Eternity is an eagle on the top of a mountain that flies down once a year and grabs one grain of sand. Every year, he grabs one grain of sand off the beach until every single piece of sand is on the mountain. And then every year, one time a year, that same eagle takes every piece of grain, that grain of sand, and takes it back to the beach. That's just the beginning of eternity. That's just the beginning of eternity with Jesus. Now, what are you going to do with those people that you have issue with when you get to heaven and you see them sitting there? It's kind of like your mama, right, with your brothers and sisters. You're going to learn to like each other. Let's get it right now. We've got to understand, Christians, that we are together, members of one kingdom. We have one purpose. We have one goal, to love God and love each other. So let's let the silly things go. And let's trust in Jesus to unite us. We are family together. We are all members of the family of God. Carolyn and John, I take it seriously what we did this morning. When we dedicate children, not just to the Lord, but to each other. That we make a commitment together as a family that we're going to walk step in step. And there are times when we utterly fail. As a parent, I do that often. But the incredible thing about this church family is it's okay. It's okay to stumble and fall sometimes because we're going to help pick each other back up and we're going to be there for one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to lift each other up because we are family together because of what Jesus has done for us on that cross through his blood. We've got to understand the fact that everyone, every single person has a part to play in the kingdom of God. 
we see that very clearly in Scripture, is that dividing wall of hostility is broken down between Jew and Gentile. Both Jew and Gentile have an incredible role to play in the kingdom. How many Jews are in this room this morning? Okay, Gentiles had a big part to play, right? Because you have a relationship with Jesus. So my question is, who's in your circle? Who lives in your world that doesn't know Jesus? And they need to hear about him. You see, every single person in this room, every single member of our body has a role to play in the kingdom. It may not be preaching, it may not be teaching, it may not be in the nursery or in the youth group or out digging ditches or cleaning up houses. Everybody has a part to play in the kingdom. Because the blood of Christ has cleansed us. He's broken down every wall and brought us back together as one body. Together we are stronger and together we take ground for the kingdom. We take ground for the kingdom. Incredible opportunity we have to set our differences aside, whether you like mustard or ketchup, and to do something incredible for the kingdom of God. We saw that in the New Testament and we see it today. We've got a chance together to do something amazing. Will you allow that blood of Jesus to cover your sin and you unite you with one another so we can strive together for the gospel? and to make an impact on our world. Everyone has a role to play. Every person counts. Yes, even that person you have an issue with. So let's get things right with Jesus. And let's get things right with each other. And let's take ground for the gospel. Because this power is something that we need to share with the world around us. This power will change lives. This power will fix our issues in our communities. This power will change our world. This power that you have in your hands, in your heart, can do anything if you'll only allow it to work in your life. So will you allow it to work in your life to make change? It's up to you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and how it convicts us of sin. And Father, as we seek reconciliation with you. We seek to make things right with you. I pray, Father, that you will convict our hearts, that you will move in our spirit, and that you will draw us back to you. And Father, before we leave this room this morning, I pray that you will help us to align our hearts back with you, Father, so we can get things right with one another. And then we can walk out these doors confident that we can allow your power to work in our lives to do incredible things in our community. So, Father, now I pray that you help us to make that right decision, to make that right call. In your son's name we pray. Amen.